Back 40 Podcast. It was definitely Batman and Superman. Well, I'm wearing Batman pajamas right now. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Alex over here, going, he going to be like, burrito. <laughs> Burritos do give me gas. <laughs> um, and Captain Smith's going to be like, uh, Atlanta Braves, because my Atlanta Braves cap is fine. It's fine. Well, on behalf of the Back 40, I'm Nick. I'm Andy. I'm Dayton. And I'm Alex. And you're listening to the Back 40 Podcast. up everybody and welcome to the back 40 i'm here with my co-hosts as always andy and dayton what's good and uh this week we're gonna uh, i know last week we talked about more like singing and uh music and that aspect of uh you know what would be the best you know what would we like to hear you know that we heard later in our singing career or whatever but um this week today we're going to be talking about more like performing like actually performing uh music and singing and all of that jazz so that's what we're talking about this week and uh there's a lot sure. to do with that if you've sang on a stage like dayton has um like well we all have sang on well, stage we all have, mm-hmm. dayton has done it more regularly than than, than us too <laughs> <laughs> so but uh there is definitely a, a lot that involves that um that a lot of people just don't know about a lot of people just think hey i'm just they just walked up here and did that, and no, they did not. They had, they had to go through a lot of stuff and yep. things like that. Um, so, Dayton, did you want to just kick us off first then and talk about it, what you have to say? Sure, uh, and, and we'll definitely kind of develop some of the things I'm going to say because I know Andy and Alex both will have different things to say regarding some of these. But um, I think one of, one of the main things you have to remember – uh, when it comes to performing, um, as opposed to just singing in a controlled setting, is that it is not a controlled setting. <laughs> um, if you're performing live at, at, at any number of venues, at different venues here and there, if you travel and sing and you're on a different stage, you know, a few nights out of the week, um, you are not going to get the same results by doing the same thing every single time. Um, when I was singing, uh, when it was my job to sing, when I was singing professionally, it was disheartening to me uh, for the first couple of weeks that my voice did not sound the same every single time I stepped off the bus. And, um, you know, we, we talked about it a little last episode. There's things that you do to prep for... Uh, what you're going to do and sing. And if you know you're making the right decisions and you know you're using proper technique and you know that you're doing everything in your power to sing correctly, and then you listen back to a recording of, that someone took and you're like, well, this didn't sound as good this night as it did last night. Um, those types of things start happening when you perform on a regular basis and you're singing live on a regular basis. Um, and so you have to adjust, and a lot of that comes down to uh, a big part of this conversation, which is choices, choices you make. Um, a simple way to put this is you are not going to sing the same way to 200 people as you would sing to 2,000 people. Um, in the same vein, you're not going to sing the same to 200 people as you would sing to 20 people, okay? Okay. So there are choices that you make 
as a singer, as a vocalist, that help you be the most effective in any given situation. Uh, a good example of this, I told Andy last night, um, <clears throat> when I was kind of talking about my ideas for this episode, and uh, I actually recommended this song a couple weeks ago, but it is Ben Rector, What Makes a Man, his duet with Thomas Rhett. Um, and on the course, uh, the course is, uh, uh, it's, is it the things you've done, the places that you've been, or chasing down some dream you've been imagining, and then on, he says, or is it making peace with who you are and where you stand? And when he says, is it making peace, he goes up, and he goes on the recording, it's, is it meh? And he just, like, yells it, belts it, right? And I started to sing it, because I'm trying to learn it on guitar as well. I started to sing it, and I realized, hey, this doesn't sound right when it's just me and the dogs in here. Um, it doesn't sound right to yell this when I haven't been yelling the rest of the song. But, hey, if I was on a stage in front of, you know, a couple hundred people, that would be acceptable. But if I was on a stage with 20 people belting, that vowel, that open A vowel, would not be acceptable because, I mean, it'd be piercing to their ears. It wouldn't be enjoyable to listen to. And so for that situation, I would have to close off. And uh, if you're out there and you are a singer, then you can probably relate to this. And if you have a similar range, if you're you know, a tenor or a baritone, or even if you're a female with a tenor range, those exist, and they are heavenly to listen to might I add. Um, but there sure are. if you have a similar range to that, you're going to realize that you will have to adjust how you sing based off of who you are singing to. And there's a lot of different avenues that go into that. But uh, the main the main thing is learning how to control your voice for the environment that you're singing in. You're not going to belt the same way. You're not going to Use the same vowel. You're not going to be open all of the time because if you're open, open and belting the entire time, it's not going to be enjoyable to 20 people as it would be to 2,000. You know, um, Andy, can you kind of add to this conversation before we branch off into something else? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it is exactly what you said. It's in the in the essence that. You want to try and make things fit. Uh, the part where you were talking about specifically, if I haven't been belting and using this very loud, brassy tone the whole time, why would I choose this one moment in the song to do that? And it sometimes it can come as a as a shock musically and not in a good way. Mm -hmm. Musical shocks are a heavenly thing when they're done appropriately. Right. But if you've ever been listening, okay, let's, I know maybe you're not all singers, but I bet you probably watch American Idol or The Voice or something. And you're listening specifically to like American Idol, America's Got Talent, and their open, unfiltered audition settings. And you hear someone that's just like, they're singing and it's not necessarily off pitch, but it doesn't sound good. Mm -hmm. It's often probably a a choice in how they're singing and how they're performing that song. They are singing how they practiced probably in their car. 
by themselves mm-hmm. and they are doing with what they think gives them the best sound and probably not what's going to give them the best results. <laughs> right, right. There is, there is a difference there. Uh, you obviously want a good sound, but you also want consistent results. Right. So when you're making choices, and I told this to Dayton, I think I said this last time too, if you are in the recording booth and you're cutting vocals for one of your songs on a track, maybe you're just doing a cover, maybe you're an actual recording artist, that would be dope. Um, If you're doing that, you have freedom. You have freedom to sing the way that you want the song to sound. But you also have to think about, okay, I'm going to be singing this song live in a concert setting. So what's attainable? What can I do that's going to sound good and give me consistent results? What can I do and put into this that's going to be replicable for all my shows? And that's a very fine line because very few things with your voice are replicable. Right. There are so many times I've sang something and I'm like, I have no clue what I did. Sounded good. I have no clue what I did. Yep. Couldn't replicate that. That's a fluke. <laughs> we all have them. And they, yeah. They're the worst, but that is just a fluke. Sometimes your voice can do really cool things and then you'll never get it back again. <laughs> and I, I'll, I'll say, I'll add two things to that conversation. One, what you just said, sometimes it's just a fluke and you cannot replicate what you did because you were not in your head when you did it. Um, you weren't thinking about what you were doing, therefore you can't think your way into doing it again. Um, but there will be some people, and I mentioned kind of this line of thinking last episode, there will be some people that judge you off of your flukes and say, well, hey, you did this run this way on this day, or hey, you hit this note this perfectly in the middle of the pitch this day. You sang, you performed it this way this day, why can't you do that every day? And it really comes down to sometimes it's just a fluke. familiar, doesn't it, Dayton? <laughs> yeah, it does. Well, hey, you sang it this way on this particular evening. Why can't you do that every time? Um, well, because uh, we don't <laughs> we're not in the same environment every time. We're not in the same, we're not singing to the same people every time. Um, it's it really comes down to sometimes it's a fluke and sometimes you have to adjust to the environment that you are in when you're singing. Another thing I wanted to say, just as we're talking about this, because I know some music nerds are out there probably screaming the word dynamics right now, and I will say that what I am talking about is different from dynamics. I think that <clears throat> you should use dynamics in your in, uh, in the choices that you make when you're singing a song every single time you sing that song. If there is a part of the song that needs to build, you need to build it every single time you sing it. If there's part of the song that needs to be soft, it needs to be soft every time you sing it. Um, What I am talking about is not dynamics. It is choices that you make based off of where you're at. It's control. Let's call it what it is. it's, it's It's a skill that you have. It's called vocal control. And Alex, I feel like, is fit to talk about this as he is a, a music educator and he knows a lot about control. And when I first met Alex, Alex was like, you sound good, man. We could use some strengthening on your vocal control. That was one of his first things to me that I heard. So I really started to internalize that and think about, okay, what can I do? What are some of my favorite people doing and how are they demonstrating control? How can I mimic that? How can I make that my own? 
So tell us about that a little bit, bud. I mean, just control. Like you can have anybody, let's just say, you know, anybody can sing. It's like Dayton said, you know, you come from a small town and you're, you're the guy at church, you know, and you know, you sing at the coffee shop in town or whatever. Well, when you come to a college that's, um, was well known for singing music, whatever that those are the things that's going to set you apart from everybody else is yep. control, phrasing, diction, tonation, all that, all that jazz is going to like set you apart. Cause when you hear somebody with control and you hear somebody you don't know how to control, you're like, Oh my gosh, that's, yep. that's crazy. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just, uh, how to control your voice, basically. I mean, it's, uh, the best way I can say it. I mean, uh, just like I think of a way to word this. Um, like, it takes a lot of control to go into your head voice and then uh-huh. go back to like back to your chest voice. With, yeah, transitions. Uh, transitions. Struggle with yeah. it all, all the time. Yeah, it takes a lot of control to do that. It takes a lot of control to add just a little rasp on a note and then take a rasp away. Yep. Like if you want to emphasize a certain uh, lyric, mm-hmm. you know, if you want the people to feel it, you know, you may add a little rascal ump to right. it, you back off of it. And you're like, man, I felt that. Like, and that's what right. makes people go, I feel that. Like, I know how yeah. that feels. What you're saying, you know, what you're singing. Mm-hmm. That's what that's control is. What helps people connect to a song. And something that helps with control is something that we really talked a lot about last episode, and that is breathing, breathing properly, learning how to control your breath will help you control your voice. Um, And also something else we talked about last episode that relates to this is that, you know, there are some situations and some songs, some arrangements that you should always sing properly. But there are moments that you should not. And that rasp thing that I'm talking about, uh, not that you can't sing properly if you have a rasp, but a lot of times musicians, uh, singers, use rasp in a non-proper way so as to invoke an emotion in the listener. Um, And there are situations in which you will want to do that. You will want to stray away from, you know, maybe I should open up and not let this be raspy, or I could not open up and let this be raspy so that they'll understand the emotion that is behind these lyrics and this song that I'm performing. Um, and, and it's a choice. It's a choice, and it's all about control. It's about knowing when to do that, when not to do that. Um, really, everything circles back to control. It really does. <laughs> the best way I can think of to to describe control in layman's terms, I want you all to think about the time in your life where you were learning how to drive. For some of you, that might be a long time ago. For some of you, that could be just a little bit ago. I don't know. But when you're learning how to drive, that gas pedal can be sensitive, mm-hmm. really sensitive. So when you drive more, you become better at not getting a lead foot. Some of you will always have a lead foot. God bless your souls. But you get better at maintaining a a position where you're not having to like constantly rev up and then let off and then constantly rev up and let off. You you can stabilize that gas pedal and you give just enough to maintain a consistent speed. Right. Uh It's to just sing more. Yep. 
practice 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 yeah practice makes perfect like mm -hmm. it's just like i said last episode um when you lay in bed at night and you just match the vibrations from what you're hearing on your uh, your headphones it's just practice it's yep. that's all it is yep and that's what that is is practice i mean control intro control just that's one thing that doesn't come easy that's one thing you have mm -hmm. to sh continually sharpen throughout your right. sure career. for sure something something that control <clears throat> does uh when we're talking in this aspect of singing when it comes to performing uh it allows you to gain the trust of your audience um and you know the way you perform the way you move around the way you interact with an audience can help that as well but uh the way you sing something will make the audience either comfortable with you or uncomfortable with you. Um, and something that we did a lot in choir, uh, and I've, I've done it on and off as a vocal warm-up, <clears throat> even since choir, but um, we speak the notes that we're going to sing uh, or the line that we're going to sing. We don't add notes, but we speak the words in the dynamic that we want them to come out. And so when you don't have control, it can be very, and I say this as, as, as a critical person, like if I'm in an audience, when you are singing, I'm being critical of you. I'm sorry. It's who I am. <laughs> I'm listening for what you do. Right. I am too. It completely wrong. ruins concerts right. and like, the thing. like it's terrible. Even when you're speaking, you can practice it. You can practice speaking on a level tone. You can practice, you know, how your dynamic goes up or down, whether you are excited or angry or happy or sad. You can practice it. But just think about how unsettling it would be if you were having a conversation with your friend and, you know, there I'll use the the chorus to the song I mentioned. Uh, let's and tell you I will speak to you how he sings it on the recording. Well, on the recording it sounds fine, but in a live setting it would be awful. And Andy and Alex, you can just tell me how it makes you feel, and you know any, anybody there uh, listening at home can, you know, just experience this as it happens. But okay, so it would be very odd if someone were speaking these words to you, and this is how they spoke them. Is it the things you? The places that you've been or chasing down some dream you've been imagining or is it making peace with who you are and where you stand hallelujah you can, yeah you can see how it would be unsettling to listen to someone speak like that in the same way it can be unsettling to hear someone sing like that sounds like we had joe olstein on the podcast there for a second i was, I was confused um <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but you see what I'm saying. You, you can, absolutely. You, you, and there's a lot of people that sing like that. You know, if they get toward the top of their range, they're just going to yell it because that's how they know they can execute the note. But the rest of the time, when they're comfortable, they're going to be in the comfortable part of their range, and so they'll, you know, whisper it, mix it, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and I've been guilty of this because I am so comfortable in mix that I don't often add the proper dynamics to build up to a big note. And so I will mix an entire song until the one big note in the bridge or the last course or whatever. And then I'm belting it and it can, it, it just, it doesn't sound right. Um, and it won't feel right to you either. And it won't feel right to the, to the person who's listening to you. 
Um, and it all comes back to choices and honing in on what makes a good choice a good choice. It really, it, that is really what it comes down to. Yeah. Choices are so important because they add style. Mm-hmm. They really make your singing stylistic. And that's what you go for. If, if you're aspiring to be a singer, you want your voice to match the style of music that you want to produce. You don't want to be uh, a little country bumpkin trying to sing Frank Sinatra. It's going to sound odd. It's going to sound off. So you're going to want to make choices that complement your style. And that's why I, I see all the time on those like YouTube react videos and whatnot where they're like, that was incorrect. And then you're, you're listening to it and you're like, it sounded good though. And yeah. then they'll, they, it's like, they don't factor in style. style. Yeah. yeah. I think style is, a is important. If you are doing something incorrect, but everything else has been perfect. It is likely that that is intention. Right. And that's something that aggravates me, but I'm done with my TED talk now. So we don't, <laughs> but for real, like if you are doing a live performance and something is going to give you the good results that you want, the sound good, do it. Mm-hmm. And also just as, you know, just kind of another thing we can talk about is sometimes you are going to figure out the choices you should be making halfway through a concert. I mean, you sometimes like, okay, for instance, we use in-ear monitors when I was on the road. And so I, to, to my ear, I sounded the same every night, no matter who we were singing to, no matter where we were at, because my mix did not change. But to people in the audience, you don't sound the same. You don't sound the same in a room of 20 people as you do in a room of 2000. You just don't. Your voice travels differently. Your voice lands differently. Um, but you sometimes, if you take an ear out or you just really start listening, you'll be like, hey, I, I probably shouldn't be singing this this way. I'm going to adjust my style. I'm going to adjust how I'm performing to better match the people I'm singing to. And that also comes down to just being musically smart and vocally smart more than anything else. Um, hey, I don't need to yell at these people um, because this is a small room. It's going to bounce off the walls in a different way than it would if it was a bigger room. I need to adjust how I'm singing this because they are not receiving it the way that them to and that is a part of performing as well absolutely um and another thing that a part of performing is is uh, also entertaining yep um like let's put this in to say garth brooks has wrote great songs uh-huh. and garth brooks is not the best country singer out there nope i'm gonna tell you what he put on a show he sure can he I mean, sure can have you ever seen him have y'all ever seen him in concert i mean i've seen videos Dude, mm-hmm. put on a show, bro. He smashes guitars in front of like thousands of people, like sometimes yep. some of the shows. Yep. Like he, and that's just one thing about performing is a lot of people will just go for a good time. They could care what it sounds like. Yeah, they just want to like drink and have a good time or whatever, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And uh, from what they remember, if they remember a good time, that's what they got out of it. it was a mm-hmm. good time. Mm-hmm. I will tell you this: 
and Alex can back me up on this, and I'm sure Andy can as well. Um, Michael Buble probably has one of the smoothest baritone voices of this day, Easy. of current times. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's like butter listening to him on a record, man. Pure it is yeah, incredible. If you go to a Michael Buble concert, five songs in, he's sung out. Five songs in, the velvet is gone. It's not butter anymore. But you know what? The man puts on a heck of a show. Mm-hmm. And you do, not walk, you do not walk away from a Michael Buble concert disappointed. And if you are being overly critical of it, you could say, man, I mean, he, his vocal performance kind of wore off after that first set. But he put on enough of a show where it didn't matter. And some people would argue that, you know, the way you perform, the way you entertain your audience, the way you connect with your audience should not be a part, should not be factored into how you think of singing. But I would argue that it really does. That's the reason Michael Buble puts on such good concerts. That's the that's the reason Garth Brooks puts on puts on such good concerts is because they know when to abandon technicality for entertainment. Right. Let me ask you guys this. Have you guys ever been to a concert or watched a live performance and you were just waiting for it to take off and it never got there? And you're like, yes. well, I was waiting for it. Yes. It never got there. Yep. Those are the worst. Those oh, are the so- worst. Yeah. There is such an importance to arcing a performance. You have to have a, a moment where you start off and you have to have a finish. Right. (laughs) The performative aspect of singing is crucial. You should not walk out of a concert and be like, man, I was just waiting for something to happen. And it never did. That's a failure on the performer's part. If they, if you feel that way, they didn't do their job to the best that they could have. It's, it's, it is of equal importance in times of a of a live performance setting, you have to have a good stage presence. Oh yes, oh yes, and that goes back to getting the audience to trust you, um, and that that goes back to control, and that goes back to breath. Uh, all of these things meld together, make you a better singer and a better performer. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, it's funny. I just got a text from from Greer Williams. Actually, Chrissy and I were in a group, and we got a text, and it's of her singing. Uh, would you all like to hear it? I'm down. I'm fine with that. Now, who is this? Greer Greer okay. Williams. She is singing best part for her. So you guys can just have a a listen to this real quick. Can you all hear it? Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See how beautiful you are. 
Marvel. She's mm. ridiculous. Man, she is re- really good. <laughs> she is really good. She's disgusted. Really good. <laughs> so if we were going to talk about that, the and in relation to what we've been talking about, A, she's maintaining a consistent tone throughout. Let me, for those of yes, you who yeah. do not know Greer, uh, <laughs> baby can bark for days. She's alto's alto right there. She yep. has got it. Let me tell you, she has got it. She chose to have a more reserved, breathy, light, almost falsetto-y tone. Mm-hmm. And it was totally intentional because it wouldn't have sounded good for her to belt going up towards probably what's more of the upper part of her range. Mm-hmm. You know that? I just want to see how beautiful you are. That's high. That's high for me. That's high yeah. for her. So she chose to give a more falsetto breathy approach mm-hmm. and she just kept it she even in her low parts you could tell that she was there she had a full sound but it was mm-hmm. still breathy it still had that same amount of approach it's it. interesting that you noticed tone first because i noticed breath first <laughs> I, I, I and it's often the case that me and andy notice different parts of performances uh, that complement each other, but we didn't focus on what the other person focused on. Um, we learned that when we were living together. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, I noticed the breath, especially on. I I'm not familiar with the song, so I don't know if that's the chorus or like the. It was chorus first the, verse and the chorus. She skipped. Okay, the so the chorus is. It was. But in between those, because that's a very intentional way of phrasing something. In between the phrases, I was hearing breath come out of her mouth. Even when she wasn't saying anything, when she wasn't singing anything, I was hearing the breath come out of her mouth. And that is a mark of someone who is breathing properly and someone who is using their breath to its fullest potential because there is a constant flow of air coming out of your mouth, even when you're not singing a note. That was the first thing I noticed. Here, I'll let you all listen to that again really quick. I I noticed noticed control, but that's just me. I always look for that. I always am. Listen to what Dayton's talking about. So she was going... Want to see how beautiful you are? She's doing that, it's almost like a percussive form of breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's totally intentional. She's doing that maybe to help her keep tempo, or maybe to uh, probably, probably to help her keep tempo. It's a, it's a, it's a weird timing on that, it but, is weird. yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's totally intentional. It's not because she doesn't know how to breathe. Let me tell you, she does. <laughs> <laughs> that breath in between is almost like she was adding an extra syllable. Yeah. And that was helping her keep her tempo and keep her support. Absolutely. And it's so easy to listen to that beautiful performance, by the way, Greer. Beautiful performance. Beautiful. And just say, man, she's good. Mm-hmm. She's good. She did Absolutely. that weird thing in the chorus, but she was good. It, it's... There's so many choices that a singer makes in every performance you watch. 
and it's it's going to be impossible to catch them all but when you mm-hmm. do notice some of them it's so rewarding it's so rewarding because you begin to understand the inner workings of their musical genius mm-hmm. <laughs> and i'll tell you something else i noticed uh, or not that i noticed it was just her being very intentional about this so there was really nothing for me to notice but that's a good thing um we talked about knowing your situation and adjusting for it. The track she was using, or I don't know if someone was no, playing, she's playing with piano. It. She's okay, playing so piano. she was playing piano with it. You can notice she never outsang what she was playing. There was never a moment in the clip that we heard where you could not hear piano because she was singing too loudly. At the same time, there was never a moment where you could not hear her voice because she was playing too loudly, you know? Um, and that is very, she knew the situation. Hey, this is more of an acoustic style. We are, this is just me and a piano. So I'm not going to sit here and holler. I am going to be very breathy and intentional with how I'm singing these words because I want the overall piece of music to be the shining spot, not just my voice. Right. That, that, that is a very good thing to note <laughs> and that's something that she's always done very well mm-hmm. coming from moments where i've i've sang with her just in passing she has excellent blend mm-hmm. with her a musical accompaniment with her fellow vocalist she has excellent blend that's important. That's crucial. The, That's the music crucial. is what makes you sound good. Otherwise, you were just singing random notes uh, and to I a think, melody that we're supposed to make up. The music behind it is the magic. I think a lot of, and I hate to use the word, but I, I think a lot of amateur singers, uh, people like we talked about last episode, we mentioned them this episode, where in your town, in your school, in your church, you were it. You were the singer, right? I think those type of people have a tendency to get the big head and they get in a position where they're singing live and their mindset is, well, I'm just going to let her rip and sing and the musicians and the accompanist can catch up. They can get louder if I'm too loud or they can get softer if I'm not loud enough. And that is not the way to think about it. You, as a performer, as a vocalist, you have to understand that every piece of music that is around you is meant to enhance your performance not to try to outdo your performance in the same way you should not try to outdo the performance of the musicians that you're you're performing with uh the overall song is not just the voice and some backup instruments or some backup singers it is the song including the voice and the instruments and the singers uh, and that overall is one piece of music, not one shining star and some backup roles. Mm. Yeah, I agree. That's very good. Yeah. That is very good. It's very good. Does anybody and, else have something else to say? I've said my piece. I really have, <laughs> yeah. If you're not a singer, you're probably listening to this and you're like... Eh, I don't care. And that's fine. That's totally fine. It's not going to be everybody's thing. Yeah, you can just but here's the thing, though. Go to the next one. 
Here's the thing, though. I right. have yet to meet someone who doesn't enjoy listening to a singer that they like. That's and true. if you are someone who you're listening to this and you're like, I don't really care about this as long as it sounds good. Well, all of these things that we're talking about help it sound good. And so they are helping your experience as a listener as well. Um, and, and that's why we kind of wanted to highlight these things on these couple of episodes. I urge you all as as listeners of music to just go and listen to your favorite artists and listen to them live. Listen to listen to something that they have recorded on Spotify or Apple music and listen to that studio version and then listen to them live. And I want you to to listen to differences that they make. And now, hopefully after listening to us, you can think of some things that um, that maybe that was intentional. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a reason that that happened. Because these are things that as singers, we are constantly thinking about. You, you will hear people on The Voice and American Idol tell singers to get out of their head. And it's because there's so much that you could possibly focus on mm-hmm. that it's hard to do that. Mm-hmm. So when you hear that criticism, that's kind of what they're talking about. Just right. sing, just sing the song and see what happens and then refine that after whatever comes out, comes out. That's my piece. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, I think it is my turn to give a recommendation. Is that correct? Yes. I think so. Okay. Well, I'm going to recommend something that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. I usually recommend a song, but I, I try to find different things just so I don't recommend music every time. So that's what I'm doing this episode. Um, if you are a fan of true crime, uh, whether it be you know uh, a TV show or a documentary on Netflix or just a YouTube series, um, <clears throat> if you're a fan of true crime, I want to recommend another podcast to you. It is called the Mr. Ballin Podcast. That is M-R- B. Allen. Um, And he also has a YouTube channel, and he covers a bunch of stories, crazy outlandish stories. um, Some you won't even believe. Stuff that actually happened. All of it's true. Um, And so that is the Mr. Ballin podcast. It's a true crime podcast. It is amazing. He posts a new episode every Monday morning and Thursday morning. Um, That is on, I know, Apple and Spotify. So it should be widely available. And he also has a YouTube channel with videos to go with all of his episodes. Those are really good too. They are because he adds some really cool visuals and sound effects and different things. Um, It's really good. Really good. Y'all should check it out. Um, But I think that's going to wrap us up. Yeah. One last thing for all of my Marvel fans. uh, She-Hulk dropped very recently. I'm not sure exactly when this episode will come out. We're a few ahead at the moment. So whenever you're listening to this, for sure, the first episode will be out. Probably the second episode, maybe even the third. But uh, I love it so far. It's great. Go watch it. Don't let any of your hesitations from the trailers or anything about the bad CGI stop you. I think it looks fine. Watch it. It's good. Well, on behalf of the Back 40, this has been Dayton. I'm Andy. I'm Alex. We'll catch you all next time. Holla. Holla. Be good people. Flippity flop. 
What's up, guys? Nick here from the Back 40 Podcast. Don't forget to go follow us on our Facebook page, the Back 40 Podcast, and give us a follow on our Instagram page at the Back 40 Official. We also have a YouTube channel called the Back 40 Podcast. Subscribe and hit that bell so that you get notified when a new episode gets uploaded. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Back 40.